here's what we're going to do. We have to do this part. We have to do this part after the live segment where um, we do like a social media bit. And I'm going to have you bring me my card so that I can introduce you to him. And I'm like, okay, okay, this sounds like a great idea. So the moment comes and I walk out there with the cards and I walk out into our audience and um, our comedian who knows me really well sees me and he like totally capitalizes on this moment, gets on the loudspeaker in front of our entire audience and is like, uh, yeah, this is Katie. She's a huge Harry Potter fan. She has pictures of Daniel Radcliffe all over her bedroom, like blah, 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 like just going on and on, no totally way. making all these lies to embarrass me. And I am just like mortified. And Daniel hears all this. He looks at me. He like looks at me and he's like, oh, you're a fan. And I'm like, yeah. Uh. I want to be my current self from this point forward. I want to learn how to play piano. Working with human beings. Drinking wine in the middle of the day. I want to be a fire truck driver. I'm going to be the next greatest painter. Just kind of work with kids, getting them ahead in life. I want to be a welder. I want to be a beach bum. I want to be a baseball player. Brewmaster. A winemaker. Professional snuggler. Let me mention those sweet, hot lavender baths and writing in the evening. What's up, everybody? I'm Blake Fletcher, and this is the Half Hour Intern Podcast, where we explore the interesting paths people take in life. If you'd like to support episodes like this being made, please check out the show's Patreon page at patreon.com slash halfhourintern. In today's episode, I speak with Katie, who was an assistant for an Emmy-winning daytime talk show. Uh, we don't say which talk show it is, because that would probably be in poor form, but anyways, it, needless to say, it is a very, very big talk show that she was an assistant for all of of the hosts. And uh, this episode is quite different from most episodes of the show, but I thought a really important interview to do and interesting thing to talk about. Um, In addition to discussing what a day in the life of an assistant is like and what exactly you do as an assistant and interesting, cool stories from working in the entertainment industry and, and working at the talk show, we talk a lot about the fact that this, how I said that Katie used to do this, Katie, after doing this job for a couple years, realized kind of how disconnected from the job she was and how much she did not like the job. So usually on Half Hour Intern, we speak with people about a job or a hobby that they are really passionate about, that they just absolutely love. It's like they found their thing. Um, Katie, on the other hand, did not find her thing. She thought it was going to be her thing when she got into it and realized later on that it was not at all and had to leave and, and went to a totally different career in a totally different industry. And she will explain what kind of went through her head and why that was and how her job kind of disagreed with her being an assistant on the talk show. And um, and hopefully there's some advice in here that, uh, that we can all learn from. Because I went through, uh, and I'll mention this in the episode, I, I went through something very similar to Katie. Um, so hopefully hearing about the, the stumbles that Katie and I made in our lives with trying to find the right job for us can help you guys find the, uh, the right job for yourself. Or maybe you'll just be able to relate. And if nothing else, you'll get to hear some really awesome stories about Harry Potter and Harry styles so uh without further ado here is talk show host assistant katie thanks so much for being on the show thanks for having me happy to be here yeah yeah absolutely so when you wrote me an email about coming on the show to talk about what you used to do and uh kind of your self-discovery about why you did not like it and couldn't enjoy this job that a lot of people would kill for uh, you said that you absolutely hated talking about your previous job, <laughs> but this is like what this whole interview is going to be is talking about your previous job. So is that going to be okay with you? Yeah, no, no, that's totally fine. I definitely have to uh, clarify that for you. I don't 
hate talking about my job, just certain things that I hate about when the conversation of my job comes up. So Right, right. So yeah, you and I were talking and you were saying that people basically, due to the nature of your previous job, people would always just want to know like dirt and gossip and things yeah. like that. Which... Yeah, um, that, that, that's, that was the whole reason I hated talking about it. And I think one, because it was a lot of digging for dirt and gossip and it was just like, I'm not going to tell you, not, I'm not going to spill any secrets. Like this is my job. I'm protecting my job and the people I work for. But also too, it was a lot of like, you know, when people ask about your job, it's usually like wondering about your career and wanting to know about how things are going and what you do there. And for me, it was always, so tell me about so-and-so. Tell me what they're really like. Tell me about this. And I was like, okay, so the conversation is never about me and my job. You just want to talk about the people that I work for. And uh, that can be a little bit taxing on you when like your whole entire job and your whole entire life revolves around these other people's lives as an assistant. Right. And just, you know, sometimes on the weekends, it's like, I just, I just, can I have my moment? Can I be me for <laughs> can a I second? Can I just be like, me? Yeah, for yeah, sure. Like, can we not talk about that for a minute? So um, yeah. yeah, that, that was definitely the hardest the hard part. And that's what I meant when I said it. I hated talking about it. It was just that it wasn't talking about it. It was talking about other people or it was just not about no one cared what I did. They just cared about the people that I worked for. And that, that kind of was a little frustrating. So. Right. Which is so interesting. So it, we'll talk way more about this later on about like all the reasons that you didn't, that this job didn't necessarily agree with you. And you learned that over time. Mm -hmm. But it just makes me think that there are certain there are certain people for every job and it's hard for yeah. us, I think, to look because you and I have very similar experiences in our careers, which is to say yeah. we, we thought that we wanted these jobs so badly, you know, and then we got them. We worked them for a while. We're like, oh, shit, this actually is not what I want at all. Like this does, yeah. this does not agree with me. And I think that there are that being said, there are people for every job. So it's like I look at it like what you did and that exact example of something that really annoyed you of people always coming up to you like, oh, give me some dirt, give me some gossip. If you're the type of person that is really into dirt and gossip, like that's probably going to be a, almost an exciting thing for you. Like, hey, everyone comes to me for the scoop, you know, <laughs> like this is great. And instead you're just like, ah, oh, this sucks. Like, I don't, I don't really care yeah. about dirt and gossip. And, and I, it's no. just bothering me that everyone's coming well, up to me about it. I loved being able to talk about like, when you say dirt and gossip, like I didn't want to, well, I wasn't going to spill dirt and gossip about my people I work for in my show, it's a whole confidentiality issue. And just like, it's just not good form, obviously. And it's tasteless, but I liked it. I liked the one aspect of my job that was really fun was that it made me really, really in tune with like all pop culture and the news and stuff like that. So, um, as far as dirt and gossip went, it was fun to like, kind of be super, well, naturally I am, but like super on top of what was going on as far as like, what's the latest Kardashian drama or like, what's this? And I always could like speak to it and be like, oh yeah, we just brought that up on the show the other day. And like, yeah. so-and-so said this and it was such a good point. And like, so-and-so and like, whatever. And oh, we got an interview with this person. It was so interesting having them here. Like that was kind of fun as far as like digging into things. But to, you know, when people ask me about what the people I work for, that's just not, yeah, no. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So let's start out with how you got that job, because yeah. I feel like it's the type of thing that probably a ton of people would, would kill for a job like that. Oh, and totally. you were very young when you got it. So how did this all work out? Yeah, um, it's so working in this industry, the entertainment industry is super, super difficult. Uh, you definitely have to really, really want it and you have to be willing to stick out the grind and like go through all the hard parts. Um, when I was in college, I was trying, I was a communications major and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I interned in 
HR and I interned in fashion. And then finally I did an inter an internship on a talk show and I loved it. I loved the energy. It was so fun. And so when I graduated, I was hundred percent determined that like television was the way I was going to go. I wasn't going to settle for anything less. Um, that determination led me to being unemployed and like so miserable living at home for the first six months after graduation. Cause it was so hard for me to get a job. And, um, the one really interesting takeaway I took from that experience was that when I was looking for a job, there was a lot of opportunity for me to apply to positions at, um, as an assistant or as a receptionist. And I didn't, I didn't take those jobs. I was like, I don't need to do those jobs. I have experience, blah, blah, blah. So I didn't take any, I just got my college degree in this thing. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't want to be a receptionist. Yeah, totally. I was like, I don't want to have to do that. Um, anyways, so then I was struggling so hard to find a job and long story short, I got, and I ended up getting offered an internship at the show that I ended up working on. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is crazy. Like I'm going to be a post-grad intern with all these college students. And I was like feeling kind of self-conscious and down about it. And then, um, my internship started and turns out like majority of the people I was interning with were also post-grad, which was a really great thing about the company that I worked for is that they did this and, um, super helpful for people trying to get into the industry to be able to intern and get your foot in the door in that way. So that was nice. Like, you know, then myself, my self-consciousness kind of like disappeared in that aspect. But, um, so I started interning there uh, three days a week, uh, nannying on the side to, to be able to pay my rent. And uh, luckily for me, like I had my parents' support and like all these great, great things helping me. But anyways, so I so I started interning in about I want to say it was like two and a half, two and a half to th- three months into my internship. About um, the girl who one of the girls who was the receptionist at the front desk. It's like more of an office PA role. You kind of do more than just the receptionist. You manage the props and you manage the interns, but. Um, so she she was leaving to go to law school. So the position opened up and all of the interns and a bunch of other past interns were able to apply and interview. And I interviewed and I ended up getting the job. Nice. So it was kind of ironic, the fact that I was like so hesitant to apply for these reception and, and assistant positions and um, started as an intern and got right. hired. Right <laughs> you had, you had to work a job so that you could be a receptionist in the totally. end. Which... And it was, it was super humbling because I... I, you know, was like, it really resonated with me the way this happened. And it was humbling. And it was the one piece of advice that I always gave to people who came to me asking how to get into the industry. I was like, apply to anything, do anything. Don't think you're above it. Like whatever. Totally. Um, it so makes me from, think of uh, yeah. of the show 30 Rock. Did, did you watch 30 oh, my Rock? My favorite show ever. Are okay, you kidding? That is cool. like, that was, that's like de- a depiction of life on a talk show in an okay. exaggerated form. Fantastic. Show. I like, I love the episode where, uh, I think it's when Cable Town finally buys the company and stuff. And anyways, Alec Baldwin basically gets knocked all the way down to the <laughs> mailroom and he's like, not even bummed out about it. He's like, Oh no, like I'll, I'll be the CEO again in like five years or something. Yes, just don't yes. even worry. And it's just like, that is the right type of perspective. It's funny. Now <laughs> I'm 31 and how old are you, Katie? 25 you're 25 so it's like it's just it's just so funny how like out of whack your time perspective is when you're younger and i'm sure when i'm 40 i'll think that my time perspective was whack when i was 31 but i you know you're 25 now it's like you look back on when you're 22 and it's like okay so getting an internship to get the job that you want you're maybe going to have the internship for what six months or a year so then you have the job that you want when you're 23 it's like who gives a shit like you still had it by the time you're 23 like it doesn't matter at all like that's one year of your life it's irrelevant your expectations when you graduate college you're like so like like you just have this energy of like i need to start going i need to start i need to start making money i want to grow i want to be successful like my parents it's like this kind of like anxiety that comes from that that like really kind of can affect your vision and like your, I mean, it can also help kick you off your, your path. Like I had friends who 
dreamt of being one thing. And because like those jobs weren't falling into their laps pretty quickly, they took another route and then you kind of end up pigeonholing yourself. But yeah. um, I'm happy that so you luckily, were the, use the word anxiety because oh, that yeah, is very like. true because I, I feel like a lot of people would hear your story and, and think about millennials and they always just think of entitlement, 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 you know, and it's like, yeah. oh, you're so entitled at 22 that you feel like you should already get this amazing job. And it's no. not necessarily entitlement. No. It's much more anxiety. It's much more it like I'm anxious that I'm going to fall behind in life and yes. like not be able to uh, eventually get ahead. And all that anxiety comes from social media. I mean, we're the social media generation. So I'm seeing my friends who are living these great lives or having these great careers or are managers or whatever. And you're constantly comparing yourself to other people. But, um, but, but anyway, so back to, so, you know, I started as the receptionist and then, um, we went through a little bit of a reorg, um, after one of our seasons ended and a new position kind of was created for a producing PA role. And I was so excited. I was like, this is a great job. I kind of, I didn't even like interview for it. It was kind of funny how things move around in TV, but like the executive producer just kind of put me in the role and it was great. I was like producing segments and I was working under senior producers and I was really involved in the production process. This was like exactly what I wanted to do. And I would say about two months into doing that, the two producers who were working on this, like we were like the human interest team. Um, they both got promoted to other roles. So they kind of stopped doing that. And then we kind of refocused, um, the direction of the show again and kind of went away from human interest for a little bit. And so it was kind of like my role was left kind of like, well, not really needed anymore. And that's when the executive producer kind of approached me again and was like, Hey, you know, the assistant to the co-host is leaving. Um, could you take on that role? And so I took on the role and, uh, that's where I ended up for the, I think I, I did it for about a year and a half. And, uh, that's where I was until I left the show. And yeah, so that's kind of, it was just one thing after another and it just promotions and rolling into these kind of jobs that fell into my lap almost. So that's how I ended up into my role. Yeah, for sure. Because like you said, you stayed it, like once you got on that path, then you did stay humble and you just work mm -hmm. hard and I'm just here and I work hard and yeah, then you get put in the yeah. right spot. Yeah. So, so what are the responsibilities of being an assistant like that? I think a lot of people hear assistant and they think of like, go get me a coffee and then it's like my <laughs> coffee got cold i need you to heat it up <laughs> and stuff like that like what do you do yeah. exactly uh yeah so it's kind of interesting the way i was my assistant role was um specifically like i was employed by the show i wasn't a personal assistant so it's like i was the assistant to them at the show and so a lot of these people are celebrities or like you know they have their own personal assistants so um i never really had to do those kind of tasks a lot of that a lot of my job was kind of interfacing with those personal assistants that they had um everything was show related so kind of scheduling them dealing with press um dealing with agents uh you know uh they're sometimes uh booking travel uh you know if we sent them all to represent us somewhere dealing with that. And also I got to go on a lot of these, uh, things as well. So, you know, if I had someone doing press on another talk show, I got to go to the talk show if I wanted to, and that was really fun. Um, but then also too, I had, um, each of the hosts that I worked for, I had different relationships with and one I was, um, really, really close to, and I kind of became like a personal assistant for them in a way, uh, managing like social media for them and doing like other kind of tasks for them. And, uh, it was, it was rewarding because, uh, through that relationship, I was able to experience other things outside of just like the realm of assisting at my show that I worked on. So mm -hmm. like one really cool experience that came from that was uh, I got to be a producer on a play that this person wrote, uh, which was really, really exciting. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. And they were always willing to like give me a lot of great opportunities and always willing to accept like I was always 
ready and willing to help because that's how you grow and like by proving yourself. And so they were always willing to give me these kind of opportunities whenever I expressed interest. And so, um, but yeah, day to day was mostly like every, every day was different. And mind you, at one point I had, I worked for nine people. Uh, the number always changed, but at one point I was assisting nine people. So it's crazy. Yeah. Being torn in different directions all the time and just kind of staying on top of it. Um, scheduling things was the most important as far as uh, just making sure everyone knew when they were on the show and what, what they had to do that day and if they needed anything. And yeah, it's, it's hard to put it all in a concrete box when you're an assistant because it's all very um, in flux. You know what I mean? Interesting. So it's kind of your job to make sure that every one of the hosts is being briefed on and knows what's going on and when they need to be where yeah. and what is happening on the show so they don't You're, like make an idiot of themselves when the cameras yeah. just start rolling it, it's sort of it's more like being like a source of information and like a source of stability always like you're like the rock right so like you you always like if they have a question they always go to you and you you're the person who finds the answer or has the answer or if they ever need anything you're the person that can do get it done for them it's just like you're that s- source of stability that they have that they can rely on you have to be a very the kind of person that's like very reliable, very like self self sufficient, able to get things done um, quick on your feet because it's a very fast paced industry in general, and just know how to like troubleshoot issues on your own. Um, a lot of those kind of things. It's not for someone who who is unsure of themselves. You can't you you don't have time to second guess yourself. You either like act on it and make a mistake and like figure it out because everyone's so busy. You work for so many people. You just have to be really really quick on your feet. So yeah, for sure, that makes sense. You mentioned you might even like go on to a talk show with them or something like what, what would be the purpose of that? For instance, like what, like why would you be there? How would you help them then? Well, so it's, it's kind of funny. Like it, it was almost like the purpose of it was a learning experience for me. They didn't necessarily need me there. There's a post with them. There's hair and makeup and there's all these other people around them. It was more like they knew that it was a great way for me to experience another aspect of the industry. So, you know, going to a late night show, going to a daytime show, going to a a movie set, going to a TV show set. So it was me asking them like, Hey, you know, I really am interested in like seeing what this is kind of like, can I go with you? And it was always, yes. And they were always willing to bring me and let me learn. And just like, you know, it's, and and it's fun too. I mean, like it's fun going to these things. So um, definitely no real, like, they didn't like necessarily need me. There were times when I had to go because they needed me as far as like one time I had someone uh, doing something on a TV set and the publicist couldn't go. And so there was no one who could really be with them. And so they did need someone to come support them. But um, usually it was just my, me wanting to go and then be like, absolutely like come along. That's so. so cool. I love that. Yeah. So what is, tell us about some of the other sorts of like cool things, I guess that you got to do ancillary to the job. Like, were you allowed to go to any like red carpet events or do any oh, like, yeah. cool things like that? Yeah. We, so this one really cool aspect of the job was that we got to do like cover stuff for social media. This was like another team that we, a bunch of younger people on the team, we kind of formed it. And, um, I did get to go to a lot of red carpet events, um, red carpet movie premieres and things like that. And interview celebrities, uh, on the red carpet. That was definitely like the, one of my most favorite parts of the job, just being on red carpets. And like, it's one thing to go as like the assistant. It's another thing going as someone who's like covering the event. Mm -hmm. So like getting to like, we would do it in kind of a, um, fun, lighthearted way. Cause it was just for social media. So getting to ask like fun questions and things like that. I went to some fashion week events. Um, and then I also did, I worked with another company through, through my job. Um, I worked with another company that I met to do, um, production on like li- uh, live, uh, music production and events like that. And so I got to go to like the MTV VMAs and work there. I went to the VH1 hip hop honors awards. So I got to go to a lot of 
really cool events that way too. So that's definitely like the, you know, the perks are that you get to live this kind of life and expose this kind of life that not everyone ever gets to do. And, you know, when, when you're, when you're hitting those kind of high moments, it totally makes everything all worth it. Especially so. when you're only like 23, 24 years old. Like that's yeah. like as cool as it gets. It's uh, man, again, this just reminds me so much of my own life in my, like every now and then when somebody will ask me about my previous job and what I didn't like about it and what I did, I'll go over a list of the things that I did like about it. And like, as I'm going over the list, I'm like, damn, do I need to like get that job again? Like <laughs> all these things sound really, really good, you know? And like yeah. these things you're talking about that are on the good side, it's like, they're really good. And it's hard to walk away from things like that. You know, totally. it makes the, the choice so difficult. Yeah. And I, I, what there was like, I mean, I got to go to like also getting like special access because you're kind of like when you're filming, you're, you're getting kind of behind the scenes access, if you will, to certain places. So like going, I went to the U S open with special access. Um, I went to the top of the empire state building with special access. Um, so that, that's always really fun too, to like kind of get those experiences as well. For sure. So let's talk about some more about some of the good stuff with the show. I would yeah. love to know who, like your top like one or two celebrities ever are that you got oh. to meet because obviously <laughs> you met like tons and tons and tons yeah. of people who were like the most what's like the most excited that you ever got for somebody okay so this is like an interesting i always have an interesting answer for this in the sense that like it's funny you definitely become desensitized to the whole celebrity thing working in tv it's like i'm not phased by everyone anymore that i would normally be phased by anyone if i wasn't around celebrities all the time so i would get really excited about pe- any tv show that i was currently obsessed with if any tv show people came that i was on a show even if it was like hgtv that was always a fun mo- moment for me so i always loved whenever andy cohen came because i'm a huge bravo person right um, right we had a person come who would bring exotic animals, which was like my favorite thing ever because I got to meet like a sloth. I got to pet like a baby snow leopard. I was holding a kangaroo. I can't believe you got to meet a sloth. That is <laughs> so badass. I was so excited to meet this sloth and I go to take a picture with it. And I was so, I was like envisioning, you know, this whole thing of like me holding the sloth. And as I go to take the picture with it, the girl's like, oh yeah, like, you know, sloths, like there's two different types, like a two toe and a three toe. And this one's like really like, you have to be careful because they'll swipe you and like just slit your throat. And I was like, what? Whoa. So, whatever. So I was like super nervous around this sloth because they don't look like a dangerous animal. But she was like, oh, yeah, you got to be kind of careful. And I was like, oh, great. That's reassuring. I was more scared around the sloth than I was around like the baby lions and tigers. But that's so um, funny. Like, what does she mean? Like, like slice your throat, like really slowly I, I slice like, your throat. Whenever I've seen a sloth, I, like they're moving in freaking slow motion, like their hands and everything. No, they're, no, they're so cute. But I don't want to like I don't want to. I don't want to um, misinterpret a sloth's behavior because I, I can't remember exactly what she said, but the the toes, like the, the, the finger thingies they have are apparently really sharp. They're like claws. Yeah, so they, they can, look like can, it. like swipe you and cut you. I mean, you wouldn't wow. think it, but yeah. Just so the slowest loved- cut of all time. I know, right? So that was pretty cool. Um, I loved whenever like a really big presidential candidate came, like when I was there, Joe Biden came, which was like the coolest moment ever because we had a moment together where he's where I'm, I was backstage and he was telling me like he was talking to me and I was like talking to him and I was as I was trying to focus on what he was saying but at the same time I was like so aware of the secret service around me and I was like really really nervous because I, yeah, like, I don't want them to like get the wrong idea like I don't know what's happening like I don't want them to attack me like you get it, that was always fun after um, the sloth incident it's like you're just always jumpy you know yeah oh yeah and then anytime like a huge like just an an uh, uh, 
huge, huge star came. That was always surreal. Like uh, Robert De Niro, always starstruck around Robert De Niro. Um, Viola Davis, like anyone like that, that's just like J-Lo, anyone huge like that is always really, really exciting. And then my two most favorite people are the, that I, they're like the two celebrities that I've only ever wanted to meet my entire life, both named Harry, um, Harry Styles and Harry Potter. When they came, I can't even tell you. So, okay, so let me, I'll tell you each, both of these stories. So cool. love it. the Harry Styles story, he didn't actually come to my show. He was doing a concert. Like this was back when he was in One Direction and I loved One Direction. Like I had, I was obsessed with One Direction. And so basically he was doing a concert and um, my show got the opportunity to interview One Direction. And I was like, oh my God, this is, I can't believe this is happening. And the producer who was doing it, um, I worked with him a lot on stuff and he was like, he, everyone knew I was a huge One Direction fan. And he was like, you want to be my PA on the, sh- on the shoot? And I was like, do I ever? And like, everyone was just kind of like trolling me like, oh my gosh, well, you have to be professional. You have to be professional. And I was like, I know, I know I'm going to try. I'm going to try. So, um, you know, we go to this concert We're we're at the show. I'm literally like, I'm noticing all the little things, right? So like we're backstage and I'm noticing like, oh my God, that's the, that's their makeup artist. Oh my God, that's their bodyguard. Like I'm such a nerd. I'm noticing these things that no one else would notice. And they're, they're all walking around beside like Niles walking by me, Liam's walking by me. And I'm like being super cool about it, trying to not freak out and stare at them, but I'm totally staring at them. (laughs) So we go to the, we do, there was this one moment when we're like, we're watching the concert and they're singing the song. And of course I'm like jamming to the song. I'm singing all the words and my co-hosts were there. They're doing like a bit. And one of the co-hosts screamed Harry's name really, really loud. And she screamed it. And then she turned back to the camera and he looked and he turned to look. And of course I'm the one looking at him and he looks at me like, what, what are you doing? And I'm like, Oh my God, so embarrassing. Cause she screamed to do like a joke. (laughs) And it was like, it just made me look like hilarious. But anyway, so the best part of this whole thing though. So like finally, um, their little concert ends and we go on stage to interview them and I go on stage with my producer and I'm like, Oh my God, they're like only a few feet away from me. And we do the whole interview. And at the end of the interview, like Harry Styles gets up to like, go thank all everyone, the co-hosts for like interviewing him. And he starts walking towards me and my producer. And I'm like, Oh my God, what is about to happen? He comes over to my producer and me and he literally sticks out his hand. And he's like, thanks so much for taking the time to interview me. Like he is thanking me for like being a part of this. And I literally like go to shake his hand. And I'm like, oh, oh no, like, thank you so much. Like I'm a huge fan. And he's like, oh really? And then my producer's geeking out because he's so excited that I'm having my moment. So he's like, <laughs> can, can she get a picture with you? And he's like, yeah, yeah. So he like puts his arm around me. I was like, oh, this is happening. Um, we take our picture. I'm like beaming. Everyone makes fun of this picture all the time because I am glowing and he is so stone-faced. Like he looks like he could care less than, <laughs> than anything that I'm with him. And so um, I'm talking to him and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to your concert tomorrow. He's like, really? That's great. He's like totally thinking this girl's way too old to go to my concert. <laughs> but um, so it was, that was like a highlight. Cause like he was the best and I love him so much. Then um, the other one that I never thought I could like top my Harry Styles moment, but I mean, Daniel Radcliffe topped Harry Styles because I love Harry Potter more than anything in the world. Like, and it's so funny because everyone was like, when when everyone knew I loved Harry Potter as well. So like the day that we got the email saying that he was booked for the show, everyone was like, oh my God, did you see he's coming? And I'm like, yes, I saw. I'm so excited. I was so nervous about this day for like three weeks. I was like, what am I going to wear? How is this moment going to go down? <laughs> you're, you're really thinking about the moment because it's also not like I'm going to see Daniel Radcliffe in some outside scenario. Like this is at work. So I can't like, like just turn into a pile of mush. I have to be somewhat composed. Right. 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 So. So the moment, so 
the day comes and Daniel's there and I'm backstage and I'm just like, my heart's racing. Like I'm so nervous to meet him. And, um, one of my hosts like knew I was obsessed with him and she was like, okay, here's what we're going to do. We have to do this part. We have to do this part after the live segment where, um, we do like a social media bit and I'm going to have you bring me my card so that I can introduce you to him. And I'm like, okay, okay. This sounds like a great idea. So the moment comes and I walk out there with the cards and I walk out into our audience and, um, our comedian who knows me really well sees me and he like totally capitalizes on this moment, gets on the loudspeaker in front of our entire audience and is like, uh, yeah, this is Katie. She's a huge Harry Potter fan. She has pictures of Daniel Radcliffe all over her bedroom, like blah, 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 like just going on and on, no totally way. making all these lies to embarrass me. And I am just like mortified. And Daniel hears all this. He looks at me, he like looks at me and he's like, oh, you're a fan. And I'm like, yeah, uh, like here's your cards. Bye. Like I just need to get out of there. So I go to turn to run away and, um, the talent booker sees me and he also knew that I love Daniel and he's like, Oh wait, Katie, like, let me get your picture with Daniel now. And I'm like, Oh my God, I just, I need to get away from this. I need to get away from him right now. Like my moment is shot. He thinks I'm a total freak that like is like kissing pictures of him on the wall. So, so we get our picture together. This like the professional photographer takes our picture and I like could not get away from him faster, fast enough. So I get backstage and I'm like totally flustered and I realize I have to get a Harry Potter book signed for someone that I work for. Like, this is like a thing I had to get done. And I'm like, Oh my God, now I have to go back up to Daniel Radcliffe with a Harry Potter book and be like, can you please sign my Harry Potter book? Like just to make matters worse. Right. So and be like, Oh, it's not for me. I swear. It's not for me. That's exactly what I did. So like this segment ends, he comes off the stage and I'm waiting off the side of the stage and I'm like, I'm so sorry. I swear to God, this is not for me, but like, can you please sign like my book? It's like, he could not have been a nicer human being like i swear to god and he was just as excited it felt like he well it felt like he was just as excited to meet me as i was to meet him like he was so engaging he was like yeah of course i'll sign your book he's like i'm so happy you're a fan i'm totally flattered he was like do you want to take a selfie we took a selfie we're having this like whole moment off stage we're like talking i'm like i said to him i was like he was like i'm such i'm so glad you're a fan of the movies and i go and the books too and he's like yes yes and the books wouldn't be here without the books totally not putting together that like this is daniel radcliffe <laughs> not actual harry potter so <laughs> right, he's absolutely right. the book. so like i'm totally geeking out over him and as i'm geeking out over him back to the side of the stage one of our hosts who's like a huge iconic celebrity comes over and um she was like, this is like the nicest moment of my life. She comes over to the two of us and she goes to Daniel. She was like, I just want to let you know that she usually does not geek out about celebrities. She just really, really likes you. And I swear she's like a normal, cool person. And she was totally trying to like diffuse the situation for me. And I was so eternally grateful because I was like making a fool out of myself and to have her telling him that I'm actually like a normal human being and not like a total weirdo who's obsessed with him was like really, really nice. But, um, it was the best moment of my life. I dream of the day that I get to meet him again. And I hope that he remembers me like I remember him, even though he probably won't, but he's such a nice person that he will probably like pretend that he remembers me, which will be just as satisfying. That's so cool. That's such a good story. And I love the fact that now I really want to meet this guy because it like, uh, first of all, I'm a huge Harry Potter fan as well, but I, I love that. Um, I, I feel like that could make you almost kind of bitter being cast as something sure. like that, that like, like you, you keep on referring to like you kind of switch back and forth between calling him Daniel and calling him Harry, you know. And it's like he probably has people all the time that just want to meet him so bad, but it's like they don't give a shit that he's Daniel Radcliffe, you know. Like yeah. that's irrelevant to them. They're like, oh, you're Harry Potter, and it's like eventually that's got to get somewhat taxing, you would think. But if you're good-hearted enough, and if you yourself are a fan of the material then I guess you should just be honored, you know, and you should be just happy to take up that mantle. Um, 
but yeah, it might get burdensome after a while. That's really cool to hear that he is still so cool about everything. Yeah, I think that's definitely a testament to the kind of person that he is because it's it's definitely hard to play like an iconic character like that. And I mean, he was just the nicest, nicest person ever. Like I, like I said, I dream of the day I get to meet him again. I hope we get to meet again because I just want I want to talk to him for days. Like you just want to be his friend. So yeah, that's great. Were yeah. you more excited for Harry Potter or for Robert De Niro? Harry Potter. I mean, because this is like someone I have, I feel like I have a connection with. Like, this is someone I feel like I know. Robert De Niro is just like a huge like, celebrity. He's a legend. Like, what about that, Harry Styles or De Niro? That's a tough one. And I would have to say, again, but oh, between Styles and De Niro, Styles. But if you were asking me, because I just love Harry Styles, I, it's totally different. But I think if you were asking me between Styles and Harry Potter, Daniel Radcliffe, I would definitely have to say Harry Potter just because my love for Harry Styles is totally like, I, I just think he's hot and I love him and I love his music kind of thing. Whereas like my love for Daniel Radcliffe is like obsessed with everything he represents. And it's like on a totally different, like whole other level that it operates on. You know what I mean? When yeah. you're like, obsessed, you, with, it's like people yeah. who love star Wars, it's that kind of thing. It's the same kind of love that you, you're just part of my childhood. Like I was reading those books back throughout my entire life it's been in my life whereas harry styles has only been in my life for a few years so. right it's like radcliffe is more of like an icon and harry styles yeah. is more of like a crush like what he represents he like represents like harry potter represents like happiness and like just like this great like exciting moments in my life and like so many memories and things like that um that it's just you know it's kind of cool to like have it all materialize in front of you so yeah for sure for sure all right, let's uh let's go ahead and move on to some because these his like everything so far has been really really good. Let's move yeah. on to some of the things <laughs> that were not so good that made you kind of analyze your job, analyze who you are as a person, yeah, and eventually totally. make the decision to turn and to pivot and go to a totally totally different job and career and everything. So yeah, all these awesome things are happening. You're meeting the celebrities that you like would kill to meet, and you're getting to go to red carpet events and stuff. And yet something inside of you is like. I don't like this. Like, what is this part inside of you that's saying that? And yeah. why is it saying that? So I think this was like really what drew me to your podcast is I think this was such an important, this is what I really wanted to talk about because this is such an important moment for me, like a realization that I had in life uh, that has really recently just kind of changed my entire, my entire outlook has recently changed on life and everything. But so basically I would say what happened is like, you know, I, I, worked so hard to get this job in television and I was grinding it out and I was working really hard and I started to realize I couldn't visualize myself. I couldn't be, it wasn't about where I was working. It was about me and like not seeing what I wanted to do with my career. Like I had no answer. A lot of my friends who worked with me want clearly they, they knew they wanted to be a producer. They knew they wanted to do this. They knew they wanted to do that. And I just like, didn't have an answer. And that started to really kind of scare me. Cause I was like, what am I doing? Why am I working here? Why am I working these long hours? And like, what is the purpose if I don't see an end goal? Like what, what, what am I doing? Cause I always am. Mm. I feel like you always are. I always see myself on this path of like, doesn't necessarily have to be upward momentum, but it needs to have momentum. And I started to not be able to see the end goal that I was working so hard to achieve. And, um, that's where it all kind of took a turn for me. So then like, I think once you realize that, and once you start wondering and questioning what you're doing, it makes it harder to go to work every day because you don't, you're, you're almost like lost. And I felt very, very lost. Like also it was at a point in my life where I was turning 25 and the quarter life crisis is such a real thing. Like all of my friends were quitting their jobs and all of my friends, I had a friend move across the country. Like all of my friends were going through the same moment that I was. And also I just too was like, you know, 
I, I had friends who are managers and I had friends who are, you have, you're making all this money and you start to compare yourself to them. And I was like, what am I doing? Why am I not, why am I not progressing? And, um, this was something that I was really struggling with. And I had one of my hosts was still is a, a good friend of mine. And she was like a really great mentor for me. And I would have these conversations with her and she gave the best advice ever. And the one thing that she said that really kind of struck me was that she mentioned how throughout our entire lives, we're always kind of matriculating, right? So like we're going, we're getting grades, we're progressing through school, we're getting, you know, we were going to college and then we, we do all these things that like are clear milestones that we're achieving. And once you graduate college, there's no like clear milestone that you're trying to achieve. There's no like, there's no level of success to like kind of monitor your progress. And I think that's like a really hard adjustment for people to make. And it was for me. So I just didn't, I, it, it was a very lost kind of feeling. And I just didn't know what I was doing anymore and I didn't know how to fix it. And it can be really kind of sad and frustrating and hard to deal with. So yeah, for sure. Man, that whole quarter life crisis thing you were talking about, it's such like an unbelievable recipe for disaster now getting to see everyone and like knowing what everyone's doing because mm-hmm. you you get screwed kind of like no matter who you're looking at, you know, because you're yeah. so you'll look at the people you look at your friends that quit their jobs and that like, let's say, traveled across the country or, or yeah. like, I, for instance, two of my best friends right now, they saved up some money. They bought an RV. Uh, they're a couple. And they uh, are just like traveling around uh, like Mexico and Central America, like surfing every day and stuff. So it's like, so (laughs) that's, yeah. So you get to see people like that who are like, okay, screw it. I'm going to leave some stuff behind for a while and just like, you know, be more of like a vagabond or, or whatever and just travel. And then you have other friends who are also your same age that, like you said, that st- that do still like their jobs and they're sticking with it and they're getting promoted and they're making good money and doing all these other things. So it's like, damn, it it, all, it makes you want both. You know, it's like, well, I want yeah. to be able to be a vagrant, but I want to be able to make a lot of money. And, you know, so yeah. the, the answer is you're never going to be able to do both those things. It's impossible. Yeah. So you just got to freaking pick your poison, man. You don't you don't just get like all the things, you know? No, totally. And I think it's interesting too, because I, I, that's the other thing too, when people would ask me about my job, the one comment people always made was like, Oh, your job looks amazing. You're with all these celebrities all the time. You're doing all this fun stuff. And it's like, yeah, but that's like the part of my job that I'm showing you. That's the part I'm Snapchatting. And that's the part I'm Instagramming. I'm not going to Snapchat myself, like sitting at my desk. Like there's parts of my days where I'm sitting at my desk or I'm not doing majority of my day is not glamorous, you know? And that's again, like the problem with social media and like our generation is that where those kind of images were starting to affect me in the sense that I was seeing all these like people like doing those things, like you're saying, like quitting their jobs and traveling the world. Like I was also part of the problem because people are thinking like, well, she gets to live this fabulous life where she's going to events and red carpets. But like at, internally I, I was dealing with this whole issue of feeling lost and not knowing what I was doing. So it's, it's really interesting how that all kind of plays out, you know? Yeah, for sure. I, um, I just recently listened to a book that was pretty good um, called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. And <laughs> something that I really enjoy that the guy says in the book is he mentions uh, how kind of dumb he feels like asking the question to, let's say, like an interview candidate and or yourself or whatever of like, what are your goals? Like, what do you want out of life? What are you what are you trying to get? He's such like, that's a such a question. dumb question to ask people and to ask yourself hard. because everyone wants the same shit. Like everyone wants to be able to travel. Everyone wants money. Everyone wants to be relaxed and not yeah. feel like pe- like their boss is like going to jump down their throat. Like everyone wants all these same things. Yeah. It's like a much better question to ask yourself if what you're trying to find out is like, what should I be in life? What should I do in life is <clears throat> what struggle am I okay 
with living with what struggle am i okay oh, with putting up so with interesting because yeah. every single to what i was saying earlier about like you have to pick your poison like you do have yeah. to pick your poison like every path has its own struggle has its own thing so like yeah, choose the so struggle that you're most okay with living with personally yeah. so like for me before when i was a medical device rep i would always feel like i couldn't really be myself and that was very hard mm-hmm. on me like feeling like i had to be like wear a mask every day that i went to work and i i really value uh like genuineness and candor so that was very difficult yeah me too being a podcaster i do i have very very little money now that i have a podcast and uh especially compared to the money that i made as a medical device rep but to me the struggle of not having money is a far is far less of a struggle than the struggle of not getting to be who i want to be no so it's like i'm we're i'm willing to live with that struggle and i think that's a good analysis for like what you should maybe do no that i agree with you completely because for me again like i I agree with you the thing that i was willing to struggle with was like money and and even still like money is never my focus i'm always trying to focus on like figuring out who i am and also focusing on like my happiness in general and money has never been like the the driving force for that. That's the one thing I was always willing to sacrifice. And also I, I agree with you, like being an assistant, it's, you have to always kind of be on. And I could never like, you know, even if I was going through like a bad day or whatever, thank God. I like the one thing about my job that was just so wonderful was like the people that I worked with, I had the best friends and the best coworkers and like the best support system there. And those, there's a group of girls there that are still some of my best friends. And I talk to them every day. And like, you know, I have to be on and like support these these hosts and like be on for them and be positive for them and like help because they're dealing with a lot. And then that's, that can be difficult. Like when I'm having a bad day or whatever, but luckily for me, I had my friends to rely on and that, that was what kept me sane at the end of the day. But also mm-hmm. too, I going off of what you said, I had a friend who read an article similar that this really struck me as well. And it's really good advice. She mentioned that she read somewhere that like to be happy at your job, you have to have these three basic needs met. And one of them is money. One of them is you have to enjoy what you do and you have to like the people that you work with. And they say that like, once you have all three, you're, you're, you're living the life. You love going to work. You're having a great day. When you don't have one of the things, you're still really, really happy at your job. Once you don't have two of the things, that's when things start to go downhill. And for me, it was like, in the beginning, I, the money was never an issue. So I never really thought about it. Right. But I always had the great coworkers, the great friends. And I liked, I loved what I did because in the beginning I wasn't so much focused on figuring out what I was doing. Cause I was progressing so much. I was like constantly like growing in my job. Once I like kind of hit this wall of not no like thinking like, okay, let's look long-term. Like, what do you actually want to do in this industry? And once I realized I had no more forward momentum that I could figure out internally or like what I wanted to do, that's when I lost my other thing of happiness. So all I had left that like was keeping me sane and was keeping me happy at my job was the people that I worked with. And that wasn't enough to keep me there because it was just making, it was, it was starting to feel like a job. And like, that's, again, that has nothing to do with where I worked it. Cause some of my friends are so happy working there. Like it's, it's any, you could like, I, this is a great analogy. You could be a literal panda cuddler. And if like, you're starting to struggle with certain things, like you could hate being a panda cuddler, which is like a very hard job to hate. If that's even a real job, I want that job. But like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's just totally. I especially once I the specific wall, crisis that you that the thing that kicked off your whole crisis is a is a very real thing, which is looking towards your future. The, the, yeah. the, to the point of like a panda cuddler. If you were a panda cuddler <laughs> for a living, and someone asks you the question of like, so where 
where are you going to be in seven years? You know, and it's like, okay, I guess seven years, I'm going to have the same. There's no promotions. You know, you don't become like yeah. senior panda cuddler. Yeah. So I'm going to make the same money and be this and have the same job. And it's like, well, it might be the best job, but there is some like I feel like human nature. You, you just desire some sort of shakeup or some sort of yeah. forward progress or some sort of something. And if you don't see shakeup or progress yeah. or anything coming, it's just like it can turn even the best things um, stale. But it's such a also it's such a personal like personal uh, journey and thing to realize because like I said for me I couldn't figure out this progress right I couldn't figure out like what my next move was but for some of my friends they wanted to be a producer so their next move was super clear and like they knew what they wanted to do so it's very personal in the sense that like you could all be working at the same place but if you don't if your like end goal isn't the same as the person next to you like you're on totally different journeys and you're going through totally different things and you're experiencing the same experience in totally different ways. So that's where everything kind of started to like become difficult for me. And then once I figured out what I wanted to do, because I would have these conversations all the time of like, I'm trying to figure out like what I want to do. And people would ask me and I was like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. And that was the fact that I didn't know scared me just as much. Like, how do I not have an answer to this question? That's kind of crazy. Yeah. So totally. So I would love to know what you feel like you learned about yourself from that whole struggle and the decision to leave and things like that. Because yeah. um, as I said, like looking back for me, I-, I feel like one of my key takeaways in life now is like if I ever need to go work for some other company again or some other person, it has to be in a position where I feel like I am myself 100% mm-hmm. every day and that I get to like wear my heart on my sleeve. Yeah. So that's like something I guess I learned about myself. What did you, what do you feel like you learned and had like a takeaway from that whole entire process? Well, the one positive thing I would say that I learned is like, I, it, it the whole process humbled me, right? Like I, I realized that like, you can't, I, I was having the, like I said in the beginning about like not wanting to apply to those certain jobs. And then I ended up working as a receptionist in the beginning anyways, like that completely humbled me. Right. So that was the one thing that I learned. The other thing I really learned that I took away from it was like, you can't compare your, your life to where somebody else is. I was so self-conscious about the fact that I was going to be this post-grad intern with all these college students. And like, even now, like where I work, I'm, I'm in a totally different industry in a totally different position. And there could, I don't even know how old everyone is that works with me, but there could be people that are, that are above me that are younger than me. And like, it doesn't phase me anymore. And it used to really phase me and it doesn't anymore because you just can't compare it. Like it doesn't mean it, it does. It's not a reflection of my work. It's just like, I took a curvy path and you took a straight one in this industry. Like, you know what I'm saying? So that was a huge takeaway for me. um, And and you never know what anyone else's path is like that. If let's say you had a younger boss, like for all, you know, that younger boss two years from now is going to have a similar crisis that you had. They're going to leave. Then they're going to go to a different industry. It's like, you know, it's easy to look at people and be like, Oh man, like in five years, they're just going to be like CEO of this place or whatever. And it's like, nah, man, maybe that guy's going to bail and just go like live in Iceland for the next 10 years. Like, you know, everyone has their own life and their own thing. And like, so that's yet even more of a reason to not compare to other people because a, you don't know what's going on internally in their head. B, you have no idea what their path is. And, And more importantly, you have no idea what your own path is. For all you right. know, a year from now, you're going to win the lottery and decide that, or oh, you know what I'm saying? So. Like you have no <laughs> idea what, uh, what life holds in store. So to, yeah. to go through that comparison game is, is very silly. Yeah. And also too, I think another thing that I learned about myself in a positive way is like, I learned that I can deal with 
insane amounts of stress and I can somehow stay on top of my shit without having any idea what's going on. But like, I always kind of know what's going on. So like, I learned a lot of strengths about like who I am and like that helped me too finding like a new job. Um, I, when I was training one of my friends to take over my job, when I was leaving, she said to me, how do you, how do you do this job without writing anything down? And I was like, it is like, uh, it is ingrained into my nature. When you're an assistant, like you're taking on these other people's lives, like it is ingrained into my nature. I know what they want before they know it, before they know what they want. And that's like a super important part to being successful at that. And so that's something I'm I, like, I learned different strengths about who I am as a person and like things that I can handle and that I can't handle well, yeah. like, writing under stress and like all those kind of moments. But, um, yeah, it was, uh, it, it's, I, I think also too, you know, I learned that when I, was looking for my next job. It was super important to me that like, I was not going to settle for anything that I could potentially be unhappy at. So when I was looking for this next job, I was super focused. I wasn't going to leave my job because my job, like I had my friends, I, I was good at my job. Like I had, it was a, it's, it's a great place to work. It's a totally great place to work. So like I could be there and like function there. And it wasn't, it wasn't like I needed to leave. Like I by no means needed to leave. So I could have stayed there. So I wasn't going to leave for something that could potentially make me unhappy again. So I was looking for certain things in the new places that I was applying to. Right. So so let's uh, let's go ahead and wind down and talk about that a little bit. So yeah. you got this new job. Tell us about what like what are the features of this new job that that you feel like click it's so yeah. much better with who you are than than your previous yeah. job. So so one thing that I did when I was looking for a new job, right? So I had. Um, been thinking about how I really wanted to be passionate about the place that I worked. And I wanted what my end goal of like, whatever we were doing at the place that I worked, I wanted it to be something that like, I just naturally aligned with. So I was thinking like, what are the things that I naturally align with that I'll always be supportive of? Right? Like, so I started, what I started to do that was really interesting was I started to look through my phone. Cause I was like, I'm always on my phone all day. I'm always using these apps. Like what are these apps that I use? So it's like Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, LinkedIn, like all these different apps. And I was like, these are the kind of places I should be applying to because these are the products that I'm supporting every single day, day in and day out that I can't live without. So if I can't live without them, I should work there. Right. Yeah. So I started applying to jobs at like these cool, like tech companies. And that was totally different for me. And, um, also, I had a friend who had, she had taken a path where she was working at a fashion magazine and then she went to a, a social media company and the things she would tell me about the life in the tech world were just like a dream come true. Like the hours and the flexibility and the free food and like all these great things. And I was like, this is what I need. Like, this is, this is, I love, I love being in charge of my own time. I love being, I love like, you know, just in in, the, in a startup-y kind of company, like you don't feel like it, it's not old school in any way, shape or form. So there's like, there's no one, there's, it's just very millennial. So like, it's really, that's another thing that really helps too. So, um, I mean, anywhere you work that has like a nap room is very great. So, <laughs> yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. So I started looking at these places that, uh, these companies that I was interacting with on a day-to-day -day basis. And um, I ended up going towards a music streaming company. So I was like, this is great. I'm going to be in the entertainment industry. This is like my background still. And, um, I was just looking at the company. I saw a job opened up, um, online for like a coordinator position on a business development team. And I was like, I've never worked in business before, but I feel like I could do this job based off of like the description. Right. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to reach out to my friend who I had from it was someone I knew from uh, past jobs that I had applied to. They had moved to this company as well. And I was like, let me reach out to them and like, just see if they think I should apply. So I messaged the person. I was like, Hey, like, I, I know I don't have any business experience, but like, do you think I'd be good at this job? And they're like, Oh my gosh, yes, you got to apply. You got to apply. Like I'll, I'll connect you to the right person. So long story short, I applied for this job and 
now I work in business development, which is like the most fascinating thing ever. It's a totally different experience. Every day is so exciting for me. And I'm also still working in the entertainment industry. So it's like, I've got the best of two worlds. Like I, it, it's a job that totally capitalizes on all the skills that I have from being an assistant, but also is teaching me new skills and also is in a tech company and is also in the entertainment industry. It was just so, so great. And like, also I could visualize myself here. Like I could see myself I, not to, like, I don't know. I could see myself one day running, like being in charge of a team or something like that, because right. I, I understood the product. I understood, like, I understand what we're doing here. I understand what we're trying to achieve. And it's not that I didn't understand what we were trying to achieve at my last job. It's just that like, it didn't align with what I was like interested in. So it was like, I understood what we were doing, but like, I don't know, whatever. I didn't really care. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, it was just not sure. a natural passion. And if it's not a natural passion, it starts to feel like a job. And now it doesn't feel like a job. It feels like I'm so excited decided to like be here because I'm even if I wasn't working here I'm still supporting their product every day in my life and like whatever so I don't know if that all makes sense to you but totally it does yeah. and it just makes <laughs> me think like whenever uh, like to get back to what you said earlier about like you know let's say having a boss that's younger than you or feeling like you wasted time ever um that none of that matters like being able Never to learn a lesson about yourself being able to yeah. learn a lesson about something that you don't like and like those are those lessons are so invaluable and difficult to come by. And the only way that you come by lessons like that is via living them for like years. You know, yeah. that is the only way you can learn a lesson like that. So and, it it a lot like the the like leg up that you now have for the whole rest of your yeah. life from having this other experience is huge. And also, too, I think like those every experience is like an opportunity to meet people. And in the entertainment industry in, sp- in particular, like know who you know is so important because that's how you get those jobs. Like it's all about connections. And it's funny because the way I got my current job was from a connection that I had met, didn't even meet. Like I just, this person was a recruiter and we, we, he he interviewed me for jobs and we met like once, but this was someone that I had met like right when I graduated from college, like two, two, three years ago. And I had always kept in touch with them and always kept in touch with them. And I always saw what they, I, I, you know, we, we were friends on LinkedIn and like, it also is really important not only to like maintain those connections, but to maintain like a very organic and like mutually beneficial connection because there's nothing worse than like, you know, sometimes I'll get a message on LinkedIn from someone who doesn't know me and they just want, they just want me to give, give, give. And they don't, it's not that you need to offer anything, but like there needs to, it needs to be more than like all about you. So like, for instance, my relationship with this person, like when my friend who worked at a tech company, when she was leaving her job, I was like, Hey, let me connect you to this guy and I'll send you, I'll send your resume to him because, you know, trying to help him like find people as well. It was just, we always kind of kept in touch and it was a mutually beneficial relationship. And that's the best way to do it. Because when you, I think, with LinkedIn and like all these connections, I mean, LinkedIn is like the key. You have to really know someone and like that, that can really help you. But I, I would always reach out to people and want to like actually get to know them because whenever I get a message from someone, I don't know, like, I don't really care to like, you know, I'm not going to make the effort as much as I would if like you, we have some kind of connection we build some kind of relationship, even if it's just via the phone and like, I give an informational to you and I tell you about what I do and you seem like really genuinely interested and you seem, you seem like you care. Like, building a import like an organic natural relationship i can't stress it enough because there's nothing worse than like a generic like hey saw your linkedin we went to the same college can you help me get a job at this place like no i can't <laughs> <laughs> yeah because for sure. also too like you're putting your name on someone so like i don't put my name on i don't want someone to put their name on me that doesn't know me and i'm not going to put my name on you if i don't know you yeah so 100%. like i'm not gonna you don't you never know so it's just again that that's another thing that's really important that i learned from this job that proved to to actually be a um 
really crucial and important lesson because it got me my current job. So yeah, for sure. That's great. Yeah. So I normally finish with like a piece of advice. I feel like the best piece of advice would be advice for people looking to find like the right job for themselves if they don't feel like they're in the right job right now. Uh, yeah. This whole episode has kind of just been like a ton of advice. So is there any like <laughs> last lessons that you would like to give before we go? Um, I mean, yeah, I think again, like just stressing that when you, when you're stuck in a job that you don't, you don't like you're losing yourself in, it's really important to kind of step away and focus on like, what is it that you're interested in? Like to put your job to the side and like, don't worry about the fact that like you could be making a huge career change. Like if it's meant to be, it'll, it, there will be a way for you to find your way in because no matter what you're doing for a living, you're developing a certain, certain set of skills as Liam Neeson would say. <laughs> um, and like you're, you're developing these skills and, um, they can translate into other areas so easily that you don't even realize. So just like, again, like finding your passion and like, you should figure out what it is that, that you naturally align with and you love to do and do something that doesn't feel like a job. Like you should, my, my one life goal was always to kind of go to work every day, not feeling like I was going to work and not the Sunday scaries are the worst thing in the world. When you are in a bad spot, like there is nothing worse than that feeling. And to be like in a place where I don't, I don't have anxiety about going to work and I don't mind going to work. And I'm like excited to go to work. Cause I can't wait to like jump right in and like be with my friends and like whatever it's, that's like the most important thing. And I just, I don't know. That's my bad. <laughs> that's my advice is figure out what you love and stick to it. And like, don't get sidetracked and don't get, don't let the money phase you and don't let like, Oh, well I could be a senior manager here and I would have to take a step backwards to go here. Like that's the senior manager position is not going to be what makes you happy. It's going to be like, your work that makes you happy and makes you fulfilled. You should feel fulfilled by what you do. No doubt, man. Love it. Great advice. (laughs) Um, Katie, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing so much with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you. I hope like this conversation helps anyone else who is, you know, in a similar spot that you and I were in. So definitely. Absolutely. Thanks, Katie. Of course. Thanks for having me. Hey everyone, it's Blake. I hope you all enjoyed the episode. If you did, I would appreciate it so much if you considered leaving a review for the show on iTunes. I swear it'll only take like two minutes. Um, Just search for the show on iTunes, click on it, click on ratings and reviews. You can leave a quick review um, or just uh, keep listening to the show. I appreciate that as well. Or tell a friend about the show or something. And if you have any ideas for the show, if you have a particular job or hobby that you would like to hear interviewed on the show, if you yourself think that you do something interview worthy and you would like to tell the world about what this job or hobby is that you have, head on over to halfhourintern.com. There's a link right there at the top that says submit your ideas and you could submit your ideas for the show, be them uh, somebody else that you would like me to interview, a particular field that you would like to hear about, or even if it is you yourself that would like to come on the show. Thanks so much for listening, you guys.